Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's what I taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect, just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys, part of the Once Upon a Podcast Network. This is George Soroy, and thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for continuing to tune in for now eight seasons, for over five years, for over 250 episodes. It has been so much fun putting this show together, and I'm so glad that you're here. And I am so glad that we are in this the first month of a brand new year, 2024, and Again, this is all about a month of of celebrating, of getting things started, of moving forward to the sort of goals that you want to conquer. And the great thing about this is that this has given me an amazing opportunity to speak with different people that are all about helping people get to where they need to be. And this week's guest is is absolutely no exception. My guest this week, Rabbi Ezra Max, he is an experienced professional certified coach and an expert uh, facilitator supporting businesses, executives, parents, and even teens to help them overcome their struggles and their challenges. He has been coaching full-time for over 18 years. He's even a recently retired EMS chief and was also a volunteer EMT for 30 years. And that really connects with me since those of you who know me know that my cousin, Matthew Henkel, who inspired the character of Excelsior, who passed away in 2005, he was, the last thing that he did was an EMT and had such a, such an amazing experience as as an EMT. So it's always great to, to meet someone who has that sort of background. He's also an advisor for multiple 501c3 organizations. and is really strong for for his friends and his and his extensive network and a fellow New Yorker which is always great and even though St. Louis is uh, has been my home since 2011 New York will always be in my heart so it's always great to chat with a fellow New Yorker and it is my pleasure to introduce this week's guest Rabbi Ezra Max Rabbi how are you sir Very good George thank you for that introduction I appreciate it and as I heard you saying 5 years 250 episodes, there's a part of my mm-hmm. brain that goes, wow, I should be interviewing <laughs> you. You should not be interviewing me. So let's see what happens next. Hey, it is. Uh, it has been. A- absolutely. It has been uh, just an absolute pleasure doing this show. I, I really do love it. And it provides me with this amazing opportunity to uh, meet people like yourself. And learn from them as well, and and also provide a great platform to share not only not only your history in everything that you do, but also to share a little bit about events to come. And I understand that you're putting one together for the end of January. If you care to tell us a little bit about it, ooh, you want to start with the event? Cool. Yeah, I well, the aggregate of of it's now more than eighteen years, but the aggregate of the last. I want to say my adult life 
has been in pouring into and uh, helping support and guide individuals and organizations to do their best work in the world. And that was inspired. You mentioned the EMT part. You might know that on September 11, 01, as an EMT responding to the towers, I almost died that morning. And uh, really? I stopped to pray before. Yes. <laughs> I stopped to pray right before I left for just a few seconds. And uh, my partner was like, come on, we got to go. I was like, no, 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 I need to pray. <laughs> Shem runs the world. God's running the show. And this is going to be a massive. I don't know what's happening. Something big is going on. And uh, his ambulance got hit by debris coming off the falling tower. I mean, we're talking about that close. Wow. And uh, yeah, and and I've talked about this over the many times, but that that was something that was tr- was traumatic, but also inspirational in terms mm-hmm. of sort of pushing me to look inside and say, what can I do in the world that's more than just making money or 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 just something that I was already doing, not not just being in business or doing business or transacting. It was more about impact. It was more Mm -hmm. at a very relatively younger age. I had two children at the time. I was married. I worked in in corporate sales. I had a a pretty respectable position that was on a a growth track. And then, of course, the the telecom sector that I was in, the technology side, when the whole bubble burst and a lot of people got laid off, the company laid off almost Mm -hmm. everybody and kept me on because whatever was going to come next, they wanted me to to be around to, to help them get that done. And so... I was in a very interesting position and, and uh, I had some big choices to wow. make and you know, they weren't easy choices, but the, uh, the essence of that choice, and, and this talks directly to, to what I'm, I'm planning for January is that what I see is people really want to do good things in the world. What I, what I see over and over again mm-hmm. is that people have uh, talents, abilities, skills, and, and sometimes they, they don't tap into it. And sometimes that maybe I'm just projecting my own reality from back then and and sometimes mm-hmm. they they feel frustrated or stuck that they don't know how to or they're not sure they, they need one more thing and one more thing and um, I I think I'm a lifetime learner I'm always looking to learn more and do more and and be more and become more mm-hmm. so what I what I was thinking about is that as we start the new year that one of the most important things a calendar year is is technically just a date it, it's good for any time but really in January a lot of people yeah. make commitments they start gym memberships fill up and. And people start going for at least like a day or not even. And then mm-hmm. by February, there's still machines available and room there. And the gyms <laughs> made their money and people aren't coming. And you know what I'm talking about. And it's not only gyms, oh, yeah. it's all yeah. kinds of commitments. And so what I was thinking is towards the end of January, when most people's commitment dropped off and they're like, ah, and they fall back into old routine because mm-hmm. momentary inspiration is not really, is not nearly enough, but rather yeah. it, it requires like a, a moment of inspiration and then some type of action and then you you lean into transformation which takes time and effort and and i would argue that one requires a minimum of 40 days and that's based on maimonides codified his work back in i don't know i don't know how many hundreds of years ago and and really you probably need 90 days which is a quarter and 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 businesses work in quarters for a very important reason because some real transformation needs to happen and then this activity this change in behavior and then we kind of slip back and then we got to regroup and get it done. And then if we've done it consistent something for 90 days, we almost own it. We we've now shifted out of where we were and it's a good time. It's enough time to see that change, to see the impact of the change or the the beginning of the impact of that change. I, obviously it depends what we're trying to do yeah. as well as we could start believing in ourselves that we're capable of doing this. So what I'm thinking about is taking the components of 
setting goals, really important, like really setting proper, healthy, smarter goals, lead gen, which is the beginning of sales and marketing, and then some sales training, stress management, and and some leadership development and communication skills. I believe that that's the winning formula. That when you have all those different components and you, you, you stick them together, then where you're going, how to get on your way to getting to where you're going, but communicate that effectively. And you're able to enroll others in that journey with you because doing something alone is really tough. Doing it with others or in, I want to say nobody works on an island of their own, no matter what, what you're in. If you're work, if you're doing anything in the world, anything meaningful, you're absolutely going to be integrating uh, and interacting with other people. And so communication and leadership becomes super important. We're living in pretty interesting times, maybe the most tumultuous times that we've ever witnessed in our lifetime. And, and, Mm-hmm. For for somebody who's in the in the working in the workforce, whether they're just starting out or they've been around for a long for a long time, there are such dramatic changes happening. It's almost like everything doesn't apply, or you're not sure what you're supposed to know, and that creates mm-hmm. overwhelm. And so, yes. one of the things that that I think is super a requirement in in today's world is an ability to navigate within chaos. And it, it could be that I come from a background in EMS, which is chaotic when you're responding generally, especially something outside or when somebody's ill or injured, there can be a lot of chaos in the moment. And as well as sort of the shifting of the world, the way the sort of mechanics of how commerce works, it's instant, it's moving, it's fast, there's and there's people's tensions that keep getting in the way. And it may have nothing to do with what we're actually engaged in. And then if I want to go a layer beneath that, I find that creative types, not only creative types, but certainly creative types are more of what I call feelers in the world. They have a sensitivity. They, they have antennas or we have antennas, I should say, being one of them. And so the term empath has been used, but I don't only mean empath. This idea that and an empath comes from being empathic, being able to tune in and tap in to to something going on around us. Well, when when there's chaos around us, even if we're not in it, and we're sensitive in that way, we start feeling it, and our system starts vibrating a little bit off, and then we think it's us, or we don't know, and then there's confusion, which leads to overwhelm, and then the natural wiring of the brain kicks in and says, "Watch out, danger, danger," and then we're we're like in in hyper vigilance mode which is a fancy word for looking out for making sure we're not getting eaten by a tiger at a core <laughs> level. And, and tigers come in all stripes and sizes, no disrespect to the tigers. And, uh, and so I think stress management, I'm just putting it in a big container of stress management inside and outside of the workplace is a critical skill to be able to be able to sort of disconnect from that and be present. So the idea is to take a day and 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 have a, a tactical group, put them together. And I'm limiting how many people will attend. And I'm doing this at a price point that is less than sort of buying it like an hour with me, buying an assessment slash a strategic planning session, a mini strategic planning session with me. In, and instead of, of having that a one-on-one, we'll do it in a small tactical group. And I'm going to select who who's at this table and or who's in this room, if you will. And the idea is to do to focus on lead gen sales, Stress management, leadership development, communication, um, and of course, the overarches is all under the header of goal setting. What are your goals for 2024 and beyond? And then based on that, how do we mm-hmm. finesse that down to how do we achieve those goals? Because having goals are great. Knowing how to get there is really important. If you don't, 
Like you could have a goal, but not know how that's ever going to happen. It's nice to have it and it's a good start, but is it really going to happen? And we all know how things fall off a cliff so quickly. And then back to the chaos, there's so much chaos around us and I don't see any ending to the chaos anytime soon. So it's, it's yeah. not about quote unquote embracing the chaos. It's about knowing how to navigate inside mm. the chaos. And, and then I was also saying that inside the leadership, leadership to me is, is about an active influence. We can't do anything on an island by ourselves. Anything we're going to do in the world. Mm-hmm. certainly anything meaningful is going to require other parties, in which case we need to be able to influence in a positive, productive way and be able to communicate in an efficient way. We need to be able to communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, by pulling all those skills together and sort of pulling it through a day where you get to do the goal setting part and then see it through the lens of the lead gen and the sales part, and then be able to talk about the leadership and communication. And of course, underpinning that is the ability to navigate all the chaos within and without. To me, that sounds like a really winning formula I can offer. And I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm very confident that the participants in this event were come out the other side, a themselves feeling more confident and B ready to embrace this next 12 months with, with vigor, with, with, with intentionality, with, with perspective and an ability to forge new paths, if you will. And I think that the, the added benefit, which I, I can't know in advance, but I I'm looking for is some of the relationships that will be built in this, in this day, maybe Mm -hmm. actually things that will last and, and take them even further because building together with a cohort is always easier than, building something along. That is, that is very true. And that's, that sounds incredibly inspiring. And it definitely, it definitely hits me when, when you said that, that it's good to have a goal, but if you have no way to get there, then what do you really have? And it just, it just makes me think of like a map that has you on one side and on the other side is the goal you want to reach but there's no there's no map. There's no like means of how to get there. There's no way to get through all the different pitfalls that are going to be in front of you. So, yeah, how yeah. exactly are you able to do that? So that's that sounds fascinating, and, and it definitely sounds like uh, something that would be really beneficial for everyone who takes part in it, because especially especially with dealing with stress management. Because I mean, that's something that I know, like in 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 everything that I do, is as as a yeah, as as a creative, as a as a as a father, as a full time, having a full time job and everything, like there's stress everywhere. Like you said, it's just like it's something that is kind of baked into our daily lives now, and yeah. it's nothing that there's really nothing that we can really do about it to avoid it. All we can do is try to navigate through it. So that's very worthy advice there that I hope that a lot of people really take to heart. So one of the things that I always like to hear about is basically what I call the lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment in time when you experience something or listen to something, meet someone, and it just makes you want to say like, Ooh, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of direction I want to go in. You have a lot. There's so, there's so much experience that you have already with everything that you've done. What was it that it seems like it's all just kind of if, if you were to kind of bottle it up and everything it would be basically all about helping other people trying to help other people yeah. to get to get to reach their potential what was that first step for you what was it that made you say like ooh i can do that i can i can take someone's hand and i can get them from point a to point b and then maybe even beyond that what was it that really got you going in that direction in the first place 
Hmm. I, I like the question, and and I was thinking, what's the catalyst? And I, I wish it was a a short pithy answer that I could just <laughs> tell a cute story and it would just work. So I have I have I think a three part answer, maybe four. As I'm thinking about it, more ideas are kicking in. But mm-hmm. part of the the advantage of being a visionary is people pick my brain for all kinds of ideas. But the challenge of being a visionary at this level is that you ask a good question like that. And all of a sudden it's like July 4th in my brain. So <laughs> I, I, it's, it's not like a one track answer. The first part yeah. is my name is Ezra and Ezra in Hebrew means to help. It, it's also mm. a biblical name. The prophet Ezra was a, a leader and an influencer in a very key component of Jewish history of bringing the Jews in exile back to, to the land of Israel. And so there's, I think, a, a DNA, if you will, inside of me, as well as mm-hmm. a naming convention that I'm, the container called me, that that predispo, predispositions me or predisposes me, whatever the proper English word is. My mom was an <laughs> English teacher, so you'd think I know. The, to, to, to be a helper and a guide in that way, literally to live into my namesake. My dad was a rabbi. My dad is a rabbi. My grandfather was a rabbi. My mom was a teacher. I mean, I, I grew up in a, in the helping profession and caring about others and nurturing others. And like, that was like in the lifeblood of my upbringing. And, and a part of me, the called the rebellious teen was like, I am not going to be a teacher. I will not become a rabbi. I will go into business and I'm going to do other things. But even in that, I had aspirations to, to do something meaningful. I've always had an aspiration to do something meaningful. September 1101 was obviously super impactful in my life and led to a lot of incredible opportunities to help and, and, and create impact. And then other things happen along the way. And, and I, there's probably a half a dozen really impactful stories. The, the most recent one was a couple of years ago, actually during COVID, I was one of the first people or early donors of plasma for people who I had COVID before it was COVID. I didn't just mm-hmm. know it was COVID back then. So that was the end of January, if you will. And then people were starting to get sick. I was getting better. And then they did this oh, testing wow. for people who had early symptoms. And then I was able to donate plasma that helpfully helped somebody. And then shortly thereafter, my eye tore in three different places. I almost went blind in one eye. And I oh, was, it, yeah, I, I don't, it, it, it's still impacting my life in multiple ways and, and not all mm-hmm. of them positive. And I choose to have the perspective that God runs a perfect world. And with all the stressors and struggles that I see personally and other people live in, I, I understand or I, I choose to believe that that is all of uh, a gift and a benefit. And so I keep looking for what is what is the message or what is the opportunity within something that really took me out of the game for months while I had to, I went for the surgery. And I mean, with miracles, I was able to get into a hospital that wasn't taking new patients through a connection with a surgeon who didn't even know me, who was friends with somebody who did, who who got me through the door, who got me to get the surgery. I mean, I, I had this emergency wow. surgery. They they saved my eye. And then I, I had occluded vision. It was like a minus 10 and a half blurry vision for over a year and a half. And then they had a way to repair that and then had a complication following that. And then they repaired that. And so wow. it's been a, a an intense journey the last few years. Yeah. And Thank God I'm able to see, I'm able to drive, I'm able to interact with the world. I have some residual stressors or negative impacts in terms of what I do and how I do it, which then forced me. I used to, I needed to sleep for 10 to 12 hours every night and sometimes take a nap twice a day because 
my vision was so far off and my, my brain couldn't figure out what I was seeing because in one eye I could see clearly with my corrective lenses and the other eye it was just blurry. So imagine walking mm-hmm. around where one eye is blurry. You're we're used to two eyes. And so mm-hmm. I would get tired. I, yeah. I didn't want to drive, although legally I could, but it would, it would, it, it would be like a chore, if you will. So anyhow, the point and, that and, it's, and potentially dangerous too. I, uh, it's legal. Yeah. But potentially correct. <laughs> the, uh, but the, the, the lesson from it was to choose very consciously focus on health and well-being. That means I, and, mm-hmm. and, and because of limited time in my day available to do anything, Choose very consciously what are you going to focus on and how are you going to make mm-hmm. that time meaningful? And so with all the time manage- management skills, tools, workshops, courses, all that stuff that I kind of know about and don't always follow, I've had mm-hmm. the opportunity of living in a zone where there's X amount of hours. It's very finite <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're going to get what you're going to get done. You're going to let go of what you don't because there's no pushing it. There's no there's no mm-hmm. staying up late. There's no working at midnight. There's all the things I used to do regularly are gone. And, and meaning wow. those things. So, so on the one side, it's, it's, I want to say terrifying and limiting and, and the word handicap and there's a victim mentality I can sit in, poor me. And mm-hmm. then there's the flip side of it. And I'm not telling you that it's not hard at times or it wasn't, it was much more challenging, you know, two years ago. Now again, thank God total, total shift with healing, with, with growth, with abilities, there are so many lessons and so many gifts in the hardship. Mm-hmm. And so, so limits and, and then the ability to, and, and it's not like I didn't break things on the way and it's not like I did it all perfectly. And it's not like I got it all right. And it's not like I did everything the way I wanted to. No, no, no. I don't want to come across as saying anything of that sort. That's not what my point is. It's actually the mm-hmm. other way. It was, it was being very conscious and conscientious in what I was doing and how I was doing and, and being more focused on the choices I was making in, yeah. in very practical and, and, and attempting to be proactive about it. And so that shifted the trajectory of what I do and how I do it. And, and simultaneously, I, I had a challenge. I mean, I work with people and, and, and I'm, I'm contracted and I had to change my rates because A, I had limited ability, which means I can work mm-hmm. with less people and limited energy, which means I have to really focus on on what I can do and what I'm what's a heavy lift for me and what's not energetically. And so some of the work I used to do, I don't do anymore at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so a, I, I, I raised my, my pricing structure just for myself because time and dollars, right? And I don't trade time for money technically, but, or I don't like to, I mean, theoretically I do, right. There's only right. limited number of hours to work. So when I'm working, I need to, I need to generate that, that revenue. I need to have that income. I got to pay my bills. I got to support my family and, pay my mortgage. Right. And then mm-hmm. I, it, this also uh, encouraged me in, in, to re-engage others and build a team again so that mm-hmm. I have other people that are able to do some of the lift around me and, and work. So I'm able to still help more people, even though I personally can't be doing it. So it takes this much yeah. involvement and have other people doing all that involvement. And, and I would, I genuinely want to believe that this is a gift because I could have mm-hmm. just relied on my own ability to just push it. So I'll just push it. And I, I want to hurt, I want to help more. So let me go help more. And so interestingly, I had to, I had a choice point about being an EMS or not. It's the COVID was the first time that, that I was not involved in something happening locally that was mm-hmm. EMS medical related that I just stayed out of it. Now I, I'm laughing when I say I stayed out of it. 
what I did was every single day I reached out to somebody in the helping community in the mm-hmm. uh, first responder world and I checked in on them and I have a unique ability oh, and skills tool set to be able to support mm-hmm. responders and hear them deeply and resonate with them and, and give them encouragement and listen to their horror stories if they needed to talk about it. And so my mm-hmm. contribution wasn't actually being in an ambulance or being out there on the street. My contribution was supporting the people who are out there on the street doing what they were doing to be, mm-hmm. to be able to do that better, stronger, healthier. And so when you talk and, about a catalyst, and, and this is really, I think, I'm sorry, I, I want to say one last thing. Yeah. I think every one of us, whenever I meet people, and, and it's a great question, I, th- I think we all have multiple catalysts. And mm-hmm. the reinvention is really where I'm seeing such flavor. Like the, the catalyst in 2001 versus the catalyst in 2007 versus the catalyst in 2011 versus the catalyst in 2015 versus the catalyst in 2020, each one built upon the next. And so I was mm-hmm. able to, to leverage skill sets and abilities and interactions and networks of people and events for incredible, what's the word? Exponential impact. Yeah. Right. There's an elevation that happens where it's not single dimensional. And so thank you for that question. I, I, I haven't thought about that in that way. And I appreciate that. <laughs> that's, that, that's really fascinating too, because one of the great thing about being a source of helping for, for other, for other people, for other EMSs, the fact that you have the experience of being one yourself means that they can actually just kind of relax and not have to explain all the little details about what it is that they do because they have an equal right there that they're taught that they're talking to. And that, that makes things, I that must make things so much easier for the people that you're working with because they can, they can just relax. They can be themselves. They can say like, they can go into details about different things that they've seen, different things that they've experienced. And you mentioned September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin, who was mm-hmm. an EMT, he mm-hmm. was helping, he was helping people along the Jersey Shore. He was basically sure. like helping to keep the peace along that side. So yeah. he was, he was doing his part as well. And so like that's, that's terrific that the two of you were able to contribute the way you did. And that still blows my mind. Like the fact that you were so close to not being here because, because of everything that was going on, because you, you took that moment to stop and pray. Like that's, that, that's mind blowing. And that's something, that's one of those things where it just, it really makes you think like about how you needed to continue on. There were certain things that you needed to do as time went on and everything that you've been doing, it sounds like it's just benefiting so many different people along the way. And I think that's, that's truly a, a wonderful thing. And, and it really is a gift. It really, it really is a gift that you have to be able to do that and to be able to pivot as much as you have, I think is also terrific. Just the fact that you said, you said that everything that happened with your vision has been a blessing as, has been bittersweet because you were able to, yes, you, you've had to uh, commit less time to doing, to doing things, but it's also something that's going to be beneficial for you in the long run, because in order to, for you to help the most people possible, you have to take care of you. Yeah. You, 
if if you were to keep on pushing yourself past midnight and into late mornings, everything like that's you would be so burned out, it would be difficult for you to help anyone. So it's so everything that you're doing is is truly wonderful. So as you were pivoting from one thing to another, did you just feel like there really was like this sort of I don't want to say it was God really, just kind of moving you from place to place. You feel like you were just kind of like allowing everything that just kind of happened helped with your own stress? I think there's two parts to your question, George. I wish I could say that I, I'm such a uh, go with the flow, easygoing, and let whatever happens, happens, and be what may, and, and I, I, j- I can just go with it. I, I don't think I'm at that level of belief yet, although I aspire to be there. I mm-hmm. do look for the hand of God and everything, so that is true, yes. And I, I do believe that, that everything is 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 for the good. Everything has a purpose and a meaning, regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not I could see it. And I've been challenged on this in some pretty tough situations about, well, how could this be good? And the answer is, I don't know. But if you zoom out far enough, you might be able to find it. I just don't have that lens for you, right? Literally and figuratively. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that, that, that it, I wouldn't tell you that it's been, quote unquote, smooth sailing. And I don't mm-hmm. think that it generally is. I, I think that the there's an elements of it that are flow like, if you will, because if you just plot mm-hmm. it and it's easier to look back and see it than it is when you're in the moment. And then there's elements of it of, of you need to be doing something. So it's a paradox for me between yeah. surrender to what is and continuously aspire to what could be push myself mm-hmm. for more, push myself to, to, uh, to do more, to, contribute more to the gift that you called it before. It's a gift. It is a gift. It's also an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I see it as both. Again, it's, it's, it's something that requires effort and engagement. It doesn't just happen by itself. I could just say, okay, if the phone rings, I'll answer it. Proactively making a phone call mm-hmm. is important. And, and uh, I, I can just be real with you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, um, not hiding from this. There are times, mm-hmm. there are seasons, if you will, and and where things look like they're moving, but they're going nowhere. <laughs> things look mm. like they're progressing, but they just keep hitting roadblocks, dead ends, uh, obstacles, challenges, and and it, it leads to a sense of confusion almost. Like, should I be doing this? I, I ask the question all the time: Is this meaningful? Is this worth it? And so, <laughs> when the answer is yes, it's meaningful. Yes, it's worth it. And that generally pulls me to to try more or differently or engage someone else to do it in a way that I don't repeat the same thing over and over. At least I hope I don't. Some things I do, but I try to do it like a a little bit different. I I just read something about copywriting. I'm not good in copywriting or marketing. It's one of my weaker skills, if you will, that when you're testing something, you just test one element. You don't, you don't change the whole thing because then you don't know what worked. So you Mm -hmm. change a price point, you change a an offer letter, you, you take, you, you tweak the pain a little bit, you tweak the pleasure, you add another benefit, you take away another thing, you, right. You only move one thing and that's how you calibrate for, for what works. And so it's, it's challenging to do that, especially when we have obligations, financial obligations, we have people relying on us. We have companies to run. We have people who are, we, we are responsible to and for to just mm-hmm. tweak one thing and give it 30 days or 60 days because 30 days goes by 60 days go by 90 days goes by. Right. And so I feel like I'm constantly tweaking, maybe even tweaking mm-hmm. too much, and then simultaneously surrendering. So like I said, that paradox between 
you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep trying. And then you, mm-hmm. there's also a need to, to accept what is and, and not try to sort of break reality. And some people right. will tell you, no, break reality, push through. And I remember that, that hard charging energy, that, that what I'll say, younger version of me. And, and I respect him and I love him and, and it's good. And it was good in that season. And I did the best I knew then. And this mm-hmm. more, I want to say mature version of me, this more statesmanlike version of me does things that I swore I would never do, if you will, and, and shows up in ways I thought I never would. And I, it may be the gray hairs. It might be, it might be a little bit of an age and experience and, and it might be getting my fingers burnt a lot. And, and the truth is I probably took a way more risks when I was younger and, and I'm a little bit more uh, cautious, more, I'll, I'll look at more parameters and I won't just assume brute force will get through this. And again, part of it is because that brute force energy is not the same anymore. Right. Um, and I'm way more tactical. I, and like the things that took really heavy lifting way back when I mm-hmm. can do smoothly, easily with, with ease, not everything, but mm. some things. And so you're asking the question, do I just roll with whatever is yes, at some level. And also in, in coming back to goal setting, I believe it's really important to recalibrate your goals regularly and mm-hmm. I'm talking about doing this thing one time because I want to do it one time. But really, this is something I should be doing every quarter with people at a minimum mm-hmm. every quarter, if not every 30 days. I'm yeah. running actually a there's a a mastermind. I like the word brain trust more than mastermind. So mm-hmm. I'll offer a brain trust, but not a mastermind. I'm I'm actually running a, a full day event, an elite retreat for a a mastermind, somebody else's group that they've pulled together. It's, it's business owners. I I don't remember all the criteria, but we're doing almost a full day and we're, we're focused on, we're going to be focused. I'm just facilitating. So I'm not a member. I don't even know some of the people there. I'm facilitating three components. One is the goal setting component. Another one is the stress management part because they're all in leadership positions. They all have teams and, and people. And then the underpinning it is actually to develop and deepen the relationships between them. They've been working together as a group for two and a half years now or so, and Mm -hmm. they want to go to the next level. They want to get more real. They want to have better metrics for making sure that they're engaging wholly and fully. And I I interviewed three different members of this, of this group for a few minutes. I just, I said, look, what are strengths? And the thing that, that really excited me about this opportunity was they really do have a tremendous value in their group. And they mm-hmm. do want to go deeper. They just, they're not sure how to get there. And these are super experienced, successful, good people. And so yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited about the challenge of finding a way to unlock something and elevate the greatness and bring out this, this part of them that's sort of there. I know it's there. I can feel it. I can sense it just from mm-hmm. that short interview I did with them. And then help them interact in a way that's more, that's deeper and more meaningful because this interaction is going to be a model that they're going to carry forward for years to come potentially. And I'm, I'm super excited. I'm stoked about it. And and if I think about back to your question about ease, which is why I thought about this, I didn't push my way into that. In fact, I didn't yeah. even think I was talking to one of the, the gentlemen who's, who's organized it or who launched it, I guess he, he put it together initially and he's passing that baton. And I said to him, listen, I know you large, you lead a large team. And I think in today's world, Focusing, especially this time of year, goal setting and stress management are 
to leadership skills. And this idea that I was sort of germinating on in my own head, I just shared it with him. It was like a three minute conversation. He's like, Oh my gosh, this would be great for our group. We have this. And he started telling me about this group. I'm like, I'm game. Sure. Let's talk about it. And, And so exactly talk about, so there's a need to do something to put something out there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, pushing it was not and, and is not the way I would operate in the world anyways. I mean, I guess I'm capable of it. I don't choose to operate that way. I, like I said before, no. it's, a, it's a lot about choices. And it, as I'm guiding some younger entrepreneurs, uh, I am encouraging them to work more on their own development in terms of how they grow internally than mm-hmm. how they push what they're trying to sell out there in the world. Yeah, And there's a tension because they're like, what do you mean? But I got to go out there. I got to hustle, hustle. I'm not a huge fan of that hustle culture. And right. I've done it. So, I, ma- I, so many people that do it, so many people that, that subscribe to that hustle culture are doing it before they're ready to do it because they're impatient. They want to like kind of get started. They feel that urge and everything and just like, all right, let's do this. But they don't have all yeah. the tools ready. It sounds like what you're doing is really kind of preparing them to do that but it's also kind of like injecting them with a little bit of patience as well. Yeah. I love how you said that injecting patience. What I'm really doing, I'll tell you what I'm really doing. It's not such a secret. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is calling out the hustle culture as being too much. Hey, look, I'm so mighty and I'm so strong. Mm -hmm. And you're ignoring that there's a bigger power that's running the show around here. And Mm -hmm. that if you can be more powerful, not pushing power, internal power, yeah. You will be way more attractive. You become a magnet. I'm not saying not to go. I'm not saying you shouldn't go out there and, and try to move the needle. You should absolutely, but do mm-hmm. it from a place of being a credible, reliable, respectable human that people just like want to be in your orbit. Because yeah. when you do that, you don't have to knock down walls all day long. You just have to say hi and introduce yourself with, like like we're doing just to have a conversation mm-hmm. and people are like oh that's interesting that's intriguing what are you up to what are you what how can i help come with an i mean i i, I try to live this of coming from a, a place of service coming from a place of, of of giving and and the challenge with my way if you will is if you give too much and you don't you don't receive enough it 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 throws the the, the wheel out of balance but yeah. the the essence of what i'm saying is that this hustle hustle run 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 you A, you're fast on the burnout track. B, you get lost mm-hmm. in your own madness. C, you're creating stressors that you don't need. And some people need to like get all worked up to get out there. But really, really, uh, I don't know. When you think about who you enjoy interacting mm-hmm. with and who you enjoy spending time with and who you trust and who you want to be dealing with, when you have somebody who's more easy, who's more in flow, who's more settled, Mm-hmm. I would, I mean, I don't know you. I like the people who are not like, whoa, 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 right. Slow. You take a breath, man. Right. I always feel like I should be because that's kind of, there's a lot of people that, that in social media culture and everything, a lot of, I'm surrounded by a lot of people that are thinking like that. But at the same time, I'm just like, do you want to knock down walls or do you want to open doors? Nice. It takes a lot less energy to just, Turn a knob and open a door that has been op- that has been revealed to you, yeah, because you yeah. took the time to get yourself prepared for it. 
Absolutely. And, and, and using your analogy, open those walls with, open those, open those doors, turn that knob with a smile. Do it with grace. Do it, do it Mm -hmm. with love. Do it, do it in a way that's sweet. Do it in a way that's, and I'm not saying to let people take advantage of you. And I'm not saying to give away the farm and I'm not saying to, to be needy at any level. Uh, Right. But when you do, when you open that first door, then you're getting a little something extra that's going to help you open up the next door. And that's confidence. Because now all of a sudden you can, you're feeling a little bit more confident in yourself. You're feeling more faith in yourself. Yeah. And you're ready to, in your, you're like, okay, I got down, I got through that door. It's kind of like what Bill Parcells said after Super Bowl 21. For the rest of your life, no one can tell you that you couldn't do it because you did it. Right. So right. there you go. So like, yeah. just open the next door. And, right. and see what happens. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know, like what, what the, as you started, you know, as you were getting into all, all these different fields, did you just start just kind of working with people one-on-one or were you starting off by working with groups? One-on-one more than groups. Mm-hmm. What happened was I, well, both. So I, uh, I stepped into the world of coaching in, in my role as a, as a sales manager for a technology company, mm-hmm. because hold on, I got to plug something in here. Otherwise we're going to lose power because the essence of, of what I was attempting to do was not to hard sell something, but rather to engage other company sales teams and taking on another product and being able to present it to their existing customer base or be able to create more sales. And so mm-hmm. I would have to get through the gatekeeper, then get through the owner, build that trust, and then get in front of their sales team and then sort of skill them up on on the pitch and the technology and, and sort of value add and, and offering. So I did both. That was from like a, well, more of a, instead of being a hardcore salesman, I was like a sales trainer. <laughs> I was adding value, right? And then right. from there, I, I but one of the things that I realized is that I was sort of around teenagers and helping some struggling teens. And so I got into working with, with some struggling youth and then developing skills and tools that I, I borrowed. <laughs> I adapted <laughs> from the corporate structure, the corporate world, the executive world I was working in. And then the parents were getting in my way. <laughs> and then I have to figure <laughs> out how to navigate that complexity. And then, so I've, I've run workshops and groups and trainings in schools, out of schools, privately, publicly, sponsored, not sponsored, all different layers of this. And then sort of full circle to working with executives where I can come into a company and create uh, communication patterns or, and w- around a specific topic or needs mm-hmm. and, and move the organization forward. That, that's not facilitation piece. And then I think there's a need to recognize that everyone's an individual and nobody is on an island onto themselves, which is, I was saying differently earlier, that we all work inside some hierarchy or structure of other people. And so being able to bob and weave Mm -hmm. in and out of both of those contacts is really important. So that's part of it. And then the other thing is that actually great story. I had a CEO of a small startup that just brought in an ops manager and there was a the, the onboarding of a new person who's being groomed for a, a really important intrinsic role in this company, it, it, mm-hmm. it has hiccups. <laughs> and the CEO called me yeah. and was, was framing a question about how to navigate. And we're talking about someone who's really smart, who, who gets it, who started a company out of thin air and built it and developed a team and is now at that next growing stage. 
And I was able to, I like, I understood the question, but it was the, the message I was trying to give over wasn't landing well. And I understood why. And finally, I said, you're a parent, you've got kids. So how do you like when the kids go to one parent, get a no, and then go to the other parent and try to get a yeah? And, and, and there was a light bulb moment, right? I was like, aren't you doing, aren't you creating that in your team and undermining your new ops manager? Like, is that what you want? Mm-hmm. Not you can't do this, you better. Like, it wasn't punitive. It was, I was grinning when I, when I asked the question. And there was such an, I think the feed, I, I, I wish I would have recorded it. It was, oh my God, everybody needs somebody like you on speed dial, especially if you're trying to grow a company. <laughs> I was like, yes, I need that. Can you send me a video of you saying that, mm-hmm. please? I'm still waiting for the video, but you get the point. <laughs> that there's this, this ability to blend something that we all sort of live in. Well, we all, but those of us who are parents recognize the parenting adaptability and, and then we are, sometimes there's a disconnect, but by, by making it personal, we're able to see how to use it in the, in the business. And by, by using the business to help influence the parenting, we, we can become a better parent. And, and so I bob and weave between both. And considering I, I adapted and, and was able to, to co-op some of the skills both ways, I, I have a very unique thread that I can, I, can, I can roam with. And just to give you another quick story is this happened last week as well. Mm-hmm. The someone who runs a multi hundred person company had a question about something, mm-hmm. and I just I I just blurted out. I said, "You can fire your your leadership team. You can't fire your kids." And yeah. he's like, "But I don't want to fire them." I'm like, "I know, but the way you're talking, you do." He's like, "Yeah, I'm frustrated." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "I know, but think about it as your kids. It's not your family." People talk about family business. The, this analogy it probably shouldn't be looked at as the same because they're not. There's distinct differences. But the point was, I said, well, mm-hmm. you couldn't fire your kids. So what would you do? And then we talked about how you would right. navigate this. I said, great. So now you have a 50-year-old adult who's a professional who's making a million dollars a year on your payroll. Let's figure out how to navigate that relationship. He's like, oh, I got to buy. <laughs> it's like, okay. I like great. it when they say I got to buy. It's less time for me. I'm like, let's right. go. Yeah. It's just like just finding that one point of view that they haven't yet explored. And as soon as they get it, then all of a sudden it's just like everything just opens up. It's like just kind of clearing all the rubble that's been in front of them. And now yeah, they yeah. can, now they can go ahead and walk and walk straight through without any issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. terrific. And, and I think that and, one of the, the, the thinking partner, the visionary thinking partner, which I, I probably should start using more than just guide or coach or whatever. I, I can be a sage on the stage. I've, I've spoken internationally. I I'm, I'm able to, but the mm-hmm. way I speak, even when I'm speaking, is to engage the audience. And I'll pivot mm-hmm. based on the energy yeah. of the room and based on what they're asking. So I love starting with questions. I don't love starting with, with being a talking head, although not every organizer is thrilled with that. So I have to follow the, the organizer's ask and, 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 and intentions. But th- the point of this is that coaching is a lot about evoking people's genius. It's about evoking the answers from them. It's about sort of leveraging their own resources. And and I will add that there are times where you need to bring a frame of information, where you need to bring an overlay of data that they don't yet have or information or skill or tool. Oh, somebody wants to join the podcast. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, my daughter and, all of a sudden wanted to sneak in there. So <laughs> there you go. That's cool. That's cool. And uh, and so when when you can acknowledge or you can find the strength that the client has or the group has, 
and mm-hmm. bring that into the conversation, it changes everything for the better. It makes everything so mm-hmm. much better and smoother. Yeah, absolutely. And if there was someone who was looking to get into the same sort of field, they felt like like they've gotten their they've gotten a lot of experience, they've had some success in what it is that they do, and they want to get into coaching to kind of help someone else in that situation, what would you say is the first thing that they should do themselves? The first thing is they should talk to a handful of coaches and then figure out which one they really like and which style they like. And then from there, figure out which trainings Mm -hmm. those coaches recommend because they're not created equal. They're very different. And so if you like Mm -hmm. someone and someone's style, and then you find someone else in a similar style, maybe not the same personality or the same personality, then you could then backtrack what training they think is good. And, and that's a huge, I, I think that that's the best way to go because different, there's so many different opportunities out there in terms of the space right now. And, mm-hmm. and they're not equal <laughs> at any yeah. level. It's not comparing apples to apples. <laughs> true. Very true. And where can, uh, where can my listeners find you on social media? I'm on LinkedIn. Hold on. I know my, I know my LinkedIn thing. I think it's just LinkedIn Ezra Max, E-Z-R-A-M-A-X. And then I've got mm-hmm. a website. Actually, there's some good stuff on, on the blog part of my website, ezramax.com forward slash, I don't know, or just click on where it says articles. And I try to get an article out every month. I don't get every month. And there's probably, there's a bunch up there. And a lot of them are about getting where you want to go. A lot of them are are like mini little pithy lessons. I, I try to build in a lesson and, and, and encourage a question or whatever I'm writing. It gets published in a magazine, so. I just have them send it over and and we upload that. Excellent. Excellent. And I hope that for all of you who have been listening and have been feeling just as inspired as I am when, when, when listening to Ezra Max, I hope that all of you are really kind of taking to heart everything that we were talking about, because there really is a huge difference between trying to hustle, 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 get to where you want and everything, but at the same time, completely burning yourself out and instead building yourself up to have the proper tools, to have the proper mindset that you can actually just walk through those doors that are now available to you instead of trying to knock down all the walls that are around you. So I hope that all of you have been able to take this to heart. And I hope that those of you who are feeling as inspired, go ahead and take advantage of what Ezra Max is offering for late January. I think it's a brilliant maneuver to set up this sort of event for late January at a time when all those New Year's resolutions are starting to fade. He's going to be right there to pick you back up to hopefully get you some motivation and some inspiration and a lot of stress relieving that will sustain itself throughout the rest of this year. So for Rabbi Ezra Max, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question 
comment or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com. 